Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. Isn't it great to be in church today? Feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. What a powerful presence of the Lord. Thank you for your prayers while we were away, and thank you, Brother Gibson, Brother Rayleigh, and Brother Osborne, and Brother Trail for stepping in, filling in, and sharing the word of the Lord with this great congregation. Appreciate the good reports. We've been hearing about that. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of 1 Samuel 25, and uh, from here... We're going to pray that God would just anoint this word to our heart. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 25. And um, if you want to just keep your Bibles open to this chapter, um, we're going to kind of just take a journey down, down through several of these scriptures. And so if you'll just keep that open. Uh, perhaps you can follow along as well. First Samuel 25 and 2, the Bible says, And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Uh, really and truly, it would be deserving to read the entire chapter, but for the sake of time, we're just going to stop there and ask the Lord to touch this word to our heart. and. Amen. I need you to make the trip with me. Will you do that? Amen. Lord, we love you today and thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness, Lord, and your mercy. And I pray somehow, God, this word, this word will find a resting place in my heart. And I pray that everyone in this building today, Lord, and anyone who ever may hear this message would be impacted by the truths that are bound up in your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to, you may be seated. I want to preach to you this morning from uh, the thought. My subject today is the voice of Abigail. The voice of Abigail. As I mentioned, I, I think to fully comprehend or understand this story, it would be in everyone's best interest to read the entire chapter. And uh, so if you, those of you who just love homework, want uh, you to read the entire chapter, the 25th chapter, I'll promise you it's, it will be well worth your time. 
There are three characters this morning that are going to set the stage for us, and and um, so if you'll just keep that in mind, David being one of them, who uh, has or had been anointed king, and um, and then from that point forward, I think it would be fair to say that David has a rather unorthodox journey after this great moment of anointing. He was anointed as the next king of Israel when he was just a, a mere teenager, um, perhaps around the age of 16, some suppose even maybe earlier. But on the heels of this calling, God then mightily uses David to slay a giant by the name of, of Goliath. And that is what really um, set David on center stage. That that act alone was was really what allowed David to become a household name. And while this was a wonderful thing for David, it stirred jealousy in the heart of Saul, who was the king of Israel, and multiple times, of course, Saul had tried to kill David. As it would anyone, I think, that shook the faith of David. If somebody was trying to kill you, somebody said they wanted to kill you, that would be one thing. But if you had to escape the sword multiple times, I believe that would shake the faith of most everyone. And so David's faith was shaken and he wandered off the path and to a degree of what God had set before him. Finally, David finds himself in the cave and that cave of Adullam. And if you've read the story, you know how he was just surrounded by no one there that could help him. They, they needed help themselves, but he encouraged himself and kind of refocused and reset the compass spiritually in his life. And out of that cave of, of Adullam, some real special things began to happen in his life. We watched this man, David, in his life, of course. Uh, most people here today would understand the life of David in its entirety, and so we watch with transparent honesty as David rises and falls, as he stumbles and gets back on track. And I've been encouraged myself by that, not because you want to uh, relish in someone else's failure, but I, I appreciate the honesty of Bible characters that we can not only see them uh, on the crest of the wave, but we can also see them in the dust of, of seeming failure, impending doom. We watch David rise and fall, but all the time, David's trust in God never wavered. And uh, there, there were times, though, that David, much like us, would just, instead of trusting God, would trust himself. And many times, I believe that God has almost had to wrestle some situations out of our own hands. Amen. <laughs> and that sounds a whole lot like us, doesn't it? There are days that we seek the will of God because that's certainly what David was doing in the cave. He was, he, was, uh, he was wanting the will of God, the mind of God. And then at other times, we, we see him determined to do it his way. And, and there we find ourselves in that same mold. The setting of our text, uh, chapter 25, I didn't read verse number one, but the Bible says in verse number one that Samuel died and all of Israel had gathered to mourn the loss of this great man. And they lamented him and buried him. And, and uh, so if, if you understand the, the role that Samuel played in David's life, we understand then the impact that this death had upon David. This wasn't just an ordinary man, 
but Samuel, it was Samuel that God had used so, uh, so specifically to speak into the, word, into the heart of David and give him direction. And so we can only imagine what went through his mind when he tried to grasp the loss of such a great man and such a great mentor. This was not a man he had heard of. This is not a man that he had read about. But Samuel was the man that had anointed him to be the king of Israel. And so no doubt David recalled the first time that he ever laid his eyes on Samuel, perhaps that day that he was anointed. And for all of Samuel's accomplishments, for everything that uh, for everything that he did for us and for all the footprints that Samuel left for all of us to follow, I find it interesting that the Bible is extraordinarily brief when it talks about the death of Samuel. Verse number one just opens up and just talks about his death and the fact that people mourned and lamented him and that he was buried. When Samuel died, the Bible says that David went into the wilderness. Maybe uh, it was his attempt to get as far away from Saul as he possibly could because of the angst that had been in the heart of Saul. That's, that's verse one. But then the, then the scripture setting all changes. You know, you can't read the Bible like a, an ordinary book. You can't just try to sit down and speed read through. You need to really make sure that you pay attention when the camera moves from one angle to another or when the storyline shifts from one thing to another. And so we come to verses two and three and that brings us to our text. And we're just introduced out of the clear to a very wealthy man the Bible talks about and a portion of his wealth was even described in verse two. This man's name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. The scripture says of her that she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. However, the same verse talks about her husband, Nabal. The Bible uses the word churlish, which means rude or mean-spirited. Uh, in, in that light, we've probably all met some churlish people along the way. And the Bible says that he was evil in his doings. And then verse three says, you gotta really be careful that you don't miss this, that he was of the house of Caleb. Here's this mean-spirited, evil in his doings. Here's a man that's rude and, and uh, kind of off the chain, we may say. And yet he was a descendant of the house of Caleb. And so how is it that a son of Caleb could have such a reputation? It was this man's father it was only one voice of two that had enough faith to believe that Israel could indeed conquer the promised land. He didn't, he didn't just come out with that testimony and think we can do it. He didn't just come out with a positive attaboy slapping Joshua on the back. But in his heart of hearts, Caleb knew that it was possible to take this land. And so he, he, he held on to that promise even despite all the negative reports around him and even despite the 40 years of wilderness travel. And then at 85 years of age, the Bible says that he went back and took that land that God had promised to them. And so Caleb, the Bible says of Caleb, was a man who had another spirit with him. He was, he was an extraordinary man. He was a man mightily used of God. Caleb himself, because of his faith and because of the favor of God, 
Caleb was a very wealthy individual. And so apparently, I'm just going to read a little bit here into scripture, apparently his wealth was passed on. So actually Nabal did not by chance come by his wealth in the fact that he earned it but it was just inherited. It was just handed to him. And so he had no way to really appreciate what God had done in his life. One writer said, Nabal was a man with full pockets, but an empty head. I've met a couple of those as well. It, may, it makes you wonder how a man like this could wind up, not only how, how could a man turn out like this coming out of the house of Caleb, a man who had heard the stories, who he, he, didn't just, he didn't just read them in some proverb or some script, but a man who had heard the fireside chats in the home of Caleb about how God had kept them and God had, had, had kept the promise alive in their heart. And here is a man who was raised under the umbrella of such marvelous truths and yet he himself turned out that way. Another thing that's a real mystery, and this is a mystery that I think, again, is, is, uh, probably has continuity even to our day. How is it that a man that can be rude and unkind and evil, how is it that a man winds up with such a beautiful wife with brains? Amen. Have you ever just watched couples going down the sidewalk and you wonder, how did they do that? <laughs> there is a missing piece of the puzzle. Amen, I, I get that look a whole lot when I'm walking beside Sister Boyd. Amen, how did you do that? I needed those points, just stay with me. I needed those points. And uh, here's Abigail, full of brains and full of beauty. In verse four, while David was in the desert, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. And so uh, David, for whatever reason, again, the, the Bible doesn't just fill in every little blank for us, but for whatever reason, I certainly don't think it was because David was destitute, but David uh, had 600 men in his army and they were nearby. And, and uh, David had been kind of standing guard and watching uh, in, in a joint effort with the servants of Nabal. And, and so when, when David found out that they were in this wilderness or in the desert and that they were shearing sheep, and, and what we have to understand about this, they were doing more than shearing sheep because it sheep shearing time, that was a time of celebration and a time of cooking and eating and a time of joy. And, and so David heard about uh, the, the, the sheep that were being sheared of Nabal and so he sent 10 of his men and he said I want you to go and I want you to greet Nabal in my name I, I want you to greet him and, and I want you to be kind to him he instructed them three things to say he said peace be both to thee and peace be to thine house and peace be unto all that thou hast now, I mean, if somebody comes up and greets you and, and that's their opening line, it's pretty apparent that they have not come for battle. It's pretty apparent that they have not come for argument. He meant, obviously, David was sending a warm greeting and, and uh, so he sent his men and he said, greet them in my name and then this is what you say to them. Amen. They reminded Nabal uh, of how uh, they were with his men 
They reminded Nabal of how they had helped protect his own herd, his sheep. And, and, uh, and because of that, they said, we would, we'd like to get some food from you. We've come here in the name of David to get some food from you. And, and the Bible is very specific because they said, you can even ask your men and they'll tell you that we were right there with them. And we took nothing from them and we guarded them and, and nothing is missing. Not one sheep has ever gone astray because we've been in a joint effort together and now all we're asking of you is just a little food. And, and David is saying, really, he said, I took care of you and I, I protected your investments and, and we were involved, hands on, in protecting what you had. And because of that, I'm asking if you would just share a little bit of what you have with us. However, when you read the response of Nabal, it is insulting because the Bible says that when these young men got through speaking, the first thing that Nabal said was, who is David? Who is David. Why, everybody knew who David was. There, everybody had heard of the anointing and everybody had heard of, of the giant being slain. And it, it was common knowledge that, Nate, that David was anointed of God. As a matter of fact, uh, most people like this give themselves away and Nabal, true to course, gave himself away because in the very next line, he says, who is, not only who is David, but he said, who is this son of Jesse? How did he know he was Jesse's son? But he was a churlish man, rude and unkind and evil in all of his doings. What a foolish question to say, who is this son of Jesse? Or who is this man that has already been anointed to be the king? And who is he? In verse 11, he asked them, he said, why should we share our food and why should we share our water? Here's another insult with total strangers. He even implied, how do I know that you haven't broken away from the army of David and you've just come to try to uh, mooch off of us, to put in our, in our language. And in verse number 12, the Bible says that David's men went back and now they're gonna report every word that's been given in verse 13, we see now David the man. We've seen him high, we've seen him low. We've watched him mightily anointed of God. We've watched him step out of the will of God. It would seem like that David would have learned by now that I just need to trust in God and he'll see me through. Just like it would seem like that I, myself, would know better by now. Can I get a witness in this house? It would seem like by now we would know that God is true and if he was there yesterday and if he provided in 1985, if he provided in 1992, then he can provide for me today. But David now in something about the words of Nabal, Nabal got what he wanted. He got what he was after. You know, there, there are some people that know right where your button is. They know right where the chain is to pull to, to get the response. And so we see David now not acting, but we see him reacting. And many times when you react to something, you're gonna get in trouble. And once again, trusting in his own strength, once again, trusting in his own ability and his own leadership, he said to his own men in chapter 23, David said he is inquiring of the Lord. That's what it said in chapter 23, he inquired of the Lord. And now he tells his men, I want you to strap on your sword because we're going to battle. A while ago, he said, I need to get a hold of God. 
I need some answers. I need some direction. But now David, like us, steps out of the spirit and into the flesh. And he tells his men, put on your swords because we are going to battle. And he said, there's not going to be one man standing when we're done. There's not going to be one, one man left. We're going to take them all. David had 600 men, as I mentioned. But he left 200 behind to protect their assets and took 400 with him. And he was on a mission. He was on a very bloody mission. There is no doubt that Nabal was rude and insulting. And something about that response just rubbed David the wrong way. And instead of going to God in prayer for direction, he said, I am going to level this playing field myself. In the process of David's men returning, Again, stay with the scripture. In the process, while this is all playing out over here in in the camp of David, we need to also understand something else is going on. In the process of David's men returning to David, if you can just kind of imagine all of this confusion over here, David's enraged and he's he's getting his men to get all of their armor and their warfare. And uh, he said, we're going to battle. But while that was going on, there was one servant There was one man, a young man, that returned. He meant she heard what had happened, or he heard what had happened. He was standing there when those 10 men asked for just a little bit of food and water and bread. He was standing there when he heard, and he heard uh, heard the response of Nabal, and I'll do whatever I want to do. And there was something in the heart of that young man that knew this is just not the right thing to do. And so he went back to Nabal's home, and he got word to Abigail of what had transpired. He had enough sense to know that this is not over. He had enough sense to know that David is not going to take this sitting down. And so he went to Abigail. And if you will look at verse number 17. The Bible says, Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do. For evil is determined. For evil is determined against our master and against all of his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Amen. This young man was making a plea. He was standing before the court of Abigail, if you please. And he said, I need you to consider what you're going to do because you need to understand something that evil is determined against our master and against all of his house. Amen. For he is a son of Belial, Nabal, a son of Belial, that a man cannot speak to him. What this nameless and faceless young man was saying was he was saying to Abigail, say something, Abigail. Speak up, Abigail. Amen. Let the voice of Abigail be loosed in this situation. Amen. He understood well, even though he was not apparently a leader or a, a man that had any, uh, any titles whatsoever. He remains nameless to us, but he realized that if this is ever going to be turned, we're going to need you, Abigail, to speak up. The voice of Abigail. The Bible Bible says that Abigail wasted not one moment. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, 
five measures of roasted corn, a hundred cakes of raisins, and two hundred cakes of pressed figs. And she loaded them on donkeys. And, and she realized every minute counts here. We, we gotta make this happen and we got to make this happen now. Perhaps David is indeed planning an attack against us. And in fact, he was. And, and so she realizes we gotta get a gift together. And I gotta, I gotta bring something to David. I, I gotta offer him more than just a few words. We've got to make this right. In verse number 19, she told her servants, she said, you go ahead. I'm gonna send this gift out first, but I'm coming right behind you. Amen. She did not, if you will note, tell Nabal. She did not tell her husband. Abigail is smart. She puts the gift out front. (laughs) Amen. She sends the gifts first. She sends the gifts first, and then she's going to follow that gift. In verse 21, David said, it has been useless. In other words, all of my watching, everything that I've done for this man, everything that I have helped him protect and care for, it has all been in vain. I asked for one favor, and now I get nothing in return. Amen. Because of this, David said, I am going to kill everything breathing under the house of Nabal. And I would submit this morning that there's a chance that somebody is listening to this message thinking the same thing. After all I've done, after all I've given, and yet they want just a little bit more. And there's a tendency sometimes to reach down and take the sword of our own cause in our hand. But I'm asking you today to set down the sword and listen for the voice of Abigail. Amen. There's a chance that something inside of you is boiling up. A chance that something said, I am going to make this right. I've been trying to do all the right things, but it all just seems in vain. Man, that sounds so familiar. Hezekiah, if you study the life of Hezekiah, you will find uh, the, the, the chapter that ends talking about all that Hezekiah did right and all he did just and he gave of himself and, and that chapter kind of tucks and folds away and closes with all these wonderful things about Hezekiah and the very next chapter opens up and says and after these things after he's done right after he's been fair after he's been just after he's been honest before the Lord there came trouble in his life but here hear me this morning Hezekiah had the good sense to know that this battle is not mine but this battle is ours and when men came to him and said come on Hezekiah we'll take some knock her up down. We'll destroy all that he has. Hezekiah said, no. That's not we're gonna, That's not how we're going to handle it. All he has in his hand is a sword. All he has in his hand is a weapon. But we have God. We have Jehovah on our side. And that's what we're going to do. And so we're tempted like David sometimes to take matters in our own hands. But I plead before you today, before you do, hear the voice of Abigail. In verse 24, Abigail says, this is, this is Abigail speaking up, I pray thee, hear the words of thine handmaid. Say something, Abigail, was the request of a servant. Say something, Abigail, to stop this. And Abigail didn't just take with her raisins and figs, and she didn't just take dress lambs, and she didn't just take corn. Amen. But the Bible says she took with her words. When she, when she got there, she wasn't 
wasn't standing there with her hand over her mouth. She wasn't standing there shrugging her shoulders in disbelief, but she came with a word. I pray thee, hear the words of thine handmaid. Verse number 25, let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. The word Nabal literally means fool. And what what Abigail was saying, she was she was really trying to get a hold of the mind of, of David and trying to bring this all back into focus. Don't, Lord, pre, I, pray, I pray, don't regard this man of Belial. Don't let him be the one that gets you off track. Don't let this be that that gets you away from the divine purpose that God has for your life because you need to remember something, David. As his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. Listen carefully to verse 28. The Bible says, I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaiden for the Lord will certainly make my Lord she's talking about David the Lord will certainly make you a sure house because you fighteth the battles of the Lord and evil hath not been found in thee all thy days Abigail was saying David because you're fighting for the Lord, he's going to make your house sure. So don't mire your hands. Don't bloody your hands with this foolish man called Nabal. I'm gonna tell you today, there are just some battles that are not worth fighting. It is not worth your time. It is not worth your effort. It is not worth your, your, your energy. Abigail was trying to say, David, David, for you to take up this matter, you're going to have to be as foolish as my husband. Amen. Listen to the word given prior to even this happening in chapter 23. The Bible says in 23, 6 and 7, but the sons of Belial, who Nabal was referred to as, the sons of Belial shall be all of them as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man that shall touch them the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear and they shall utterly burn and be utterly burned with fire in the same place. Or in other words, if I could put this in our language, he said the sons of Belial, there are just some people that cannot be taken with hands. There are some people that are just thorns and thistles and, and if you reach down to move a thorn bush, chances are you're gonna get a thorn. Hey man, you, 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 you reach down to move a briar and after a while you're gonna find that some of that has been left on you. He said if you touch them, a man that touches them has got to be fenced with iron you got to be protected I believe the Lord would speak to us today and say when we come to the end of ourselves it's not then that we need to say God I'm going to take this off the table I have this I'm going to do this myself amen there's some things that just cannot be handled with the hands of man so I'm going to put my trust I'm going to put my hope I'm going to put my confidence I'm cashing everything in in the hands of God the hand of God. Let God take the situation and let God work it out in his own time. There's something that is very important for all of us to understand this morning. I mentioned a, uh, a moment ago about the anointing of David and 
and, and what a unique setting that was in and how that the brothers of David had all come before Samuel the priest and he said, no, the, the, these are not they and is there any left? Is there just one left? And, well, there's David and David comes and he has to be overwhelmed. He, and no one sent him a text message ahead to find out what's going on. David kind of walks up on this situation. The next thing you know, he's just a young boy. And now Samuel, I mean, you just imagine what uh, kind of, emotions may have been going on maybe he was even afraid or at least intimidated by Samuel the priest the mouth of God so to speak and now he's standing there and Samuel begins to talk to him about being the king of Israel and, and he takes his horn of oil and he pours that oil on the head of David and anoints him to be the king but it's very very important for us to understand that that time of anointing was over here and now David makes a long journey without without a doubt amen we have to understand that he is more than a few days removed from this momentous afternoon that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him king oh what a day that must have been oh what a day that must have been amen without a doubt David could smell the aroma of that anointing oil on his garments for days and maybe even weeks after but you gotta remember amen that David David has been through a few ups and downs by now. Him in chapter 16 and now chapter 25. If, if, I'm, if I have studied this close enough, that is somewhere around 20 years has passed between the time he was anointed and now he's standing here face to face with Abigail. Amen, maybe the oily stain on his garment had been worn away a long time ago. The unction that accompanied him when Samuel poured that oil out had somewhat dissipated. Amen, the question I think that begs an answer this morning is this, is what are we gonna do between the call of God and the fulfillment of that call? Amen, God had called him. God had anointed him. But what are you gonna do between the time God calls you and God fulfills that calling? I believe I would say this morning the answer is this. Amen, what I need to do in between time is listen for the voice of Abigail. I need to keep my spirit right. I need to keep my heart right. I need to keep my mind clear. Amen, because I have gonna, only gonna have one opportunity to hear Abigail speak into my life. I'm only gonna have one time, one chance for Abigail. Abigail to, to speak to me. God, I believe in his infinite wisdom and in his endless mercy will always place an Abigail in our path. Amen, we, have to, we may have to stop what we're doing. We may have to put our sword back in the sheath. We may have to pull the reins of the horse we're riding, the calls that we're riding, but if we'll stop, Abigail is standing in the path. David was a man of war. He heard the report of his men, returned men, talking about Nabal and he knew just exactly what to do. He knew how to respond in his flesh. Amen, I submit to you today that it would have been easy for David to have been so caught up in bloodthirst. It could have been so easy for David to say, I am gonna sell this myself that he just 
ran across Abigail in the path and kept right on going. But I believe something in the heart of David when he saw Abigail in the path, there was something that said, you need to stop. I don't think, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't think he stopped for the figs. I don't think he stopped for the raisins. I, I don't think it was the bread and the corn. I don't think it was the dressed lambs that, that caused David to stop. I don't think it was that grilled meat aroma that caused him to stop. But there was something in the heart of David that said, I need to slow down here. Amen, I believe that God was speaking to David because the scripture said he was a man after God's own heart. Yes, a man of war, but he was also a man of God. The spirit may be dealing with someone here in this service and we can't figure it all out on our own. Amen, I promise you this, if you get it all on your own, you won't be happy with the end results anyway. Abigail acknowledges the fact that the Lord is gonna make a long and a lasting dynasty out of you, David. Abigail admits, David, you are right. And my old foolish, churlish, hard, stubborn and evil husband is wrong. But she said that is not the point. That's not what we're discussing. I'm not here to try to figure out if you're right or if he's right. I'm gonna tell you now, David, you're right, and Nabal's wrong. But she said that is not what we're talking about. Something is far more important before us today. She advises, David, if you please, don't waste your energy on a man that's simply not worth it. Amen, don't waste your energy. Don't invest in something that is simply not worth it. She said, David, you're gonna bloody your hands with someone that's not even deserving of your time. David, there are kingdom matters that you need to be attending. You don't need to be wasting your time trying to fight Nabal. Don't waste your, your time and energy and effort on a man, on a man of this caliber. Anyone who has any sense to the spirit of God at all is going to listen to the voice of Abigail. Abigail knew, I can't reason with Nabal. Abigail knew, I can't talk to Nabal about this. I, I know it will just be an argument in our own home if I try to bring this up. Perhaps if I, if I tell Nabal that one of his men slipped out and told me what's going on, that Nabal would have him killed. And so she said, I can't reason with Nabal, but I believe I can reason with you, David. Amen, the reason David was a man after God's own heart is because he knew how to listen to the Lord. I wanna submit something to you today. I don't know what the setting was. I have no idea what the setting may have been that day. I don't know if they were in a plush green valley or if they were on a dry old dusty road, but I know one thing. Amen, there was a woman named Abigail and a king to be named David. I don't think it was just Abigail speaking, but I believe God was speaking through that lady. Amen, she was a wise woman. She was a beautiful woman, but she had a word in her heart. Don't, don't mistake the raisins for the gift. Amen. Don't mistake the, the meat for the gift. Don't mistake the meal or the corn for the gift. The gift is going to be in the words that I tell you. Amen. Listen. Amen. Listen to David's response in verse number 32 and verse number 33. The Bible says, and David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord God of Israel which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice and blessed be thou which has kept me 
this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with my own hand. I've watched the hand of God on people's lives. And I've watched them acknowledge that hand on their lives. And then I've watched after a while in time as you make your journey on and the oil of that anointing begins to fade from your garment. The oil of that promise begins to kind of get tucked one day at a time further and further back into the pages of history. And if we're not careful, there'll be a navel that comes along. There'll be something foolish, something churlish that'll come along and you'll invest all your time in that when you ought to be tending to kingdom matters. I hope we're listening today. Amen, David's only wish was that somehow she would be blessed because of what she had done for him. In verse 35, David accepts what she's brought him and said, go up in peace to thine house and see I have hearkened to thy voice and I have accepted thy person. I've hearkened to thy voice and I have accepted thy person. An unusual phrase there. But what David was really saying is I have accepted your request. I am going to do what you have asked me to do. Can't you just picture this? I mean, David's on his horses and his men. Horses are sweaty and frothing at the mouth because they're marching into battle. The dust settles and Abigail speaks and David says, you know what? I'm going to do what you said to do. While this has been an interesting story, at least for me so far, it is not over. When Abigail returned home, the Bible says that Nabal was throwing a party, a party apparently fit for a king. He was completely oblivious to what was going on. A man was planning to kill him, his household, and everything he has. And he is completely blind to the fact completely blind to the fact when she got home the Bible says that he was so drunk on wine that she said there's no need for me to even talk to him tonight I'm going to have to wait till the wine is gone and so at morning light she went into Nabal and this is what she had done told him what she had done in verse number 37 the Bible says, but it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became as a stone. And it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal and he died. He got so frightened by what was really transpiring around him that we would call that a heart attack and perhaps went into a coma, whatever, for 10 days. But his heart became as a stone. It stopped. His life, for all intent and purposes, ended in that very moment, at that very word. This is what's been going on, Nabal. And 10 days later, he died. According to Bible historians, he, he was perhaps in a coma. Leave it 
in the hands of the Lord. Amen, that's what the Lord's saying. Leave it in my hands. I'll, I'll take care of Nabal. Amen, David, don't you worry about this. You, we're just 10 days away from all this being taken care of. As a matter of fact, we're just, we're just a few hours away from Nabal never opening his mouth, not even one more time. And so when David got word that Nabal was dead, he sent word to Abigail. Are you ready for this? And ask for her hand in marriage. Amen. Now I hope we see the spiritual significance of this. The Bible says on more than one occasion, <coughs> speaking of a husband and wife, that they'd be no more twain, but they'd be one. And so the spiritual significance of this is simply this, that that day, David became one with the voice of God. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, the voice of Abigail would speak in this house. The voice of Abigail would speak to our heart. We must be very, very careful as our musicians come. We must be very careful that we don't just flip our calendars open and find that it's Sunday and find that it's Wednesday and think well it's just going to be another service another sermon another song another season of worship but I believe that we ought to come to the house of God amen with a spirit of expectation I need to hear the voice of Abigail today I need some direction in my life I, I need God to speak into my spirit I need God's word to find a place in my heart I need God's word to find a landing place in my life. Amen, I want the voice of God to speak. Amen, I want the voice of God to speak. Abigail took a lot upon herself, there is no doubt. Abigail went out on her own. She stopped David in his tracks. It could have ended much, much different. Amen, Abigail was, was maybe in some people's minds being fairly presumptuous here but she was so driven because she said I've got a word I've got to save my house I've got to do something somebody's got to have a voice besides this old foolish churlish evil man and so I'm going to take a chance I, I'm going to cash it all in I'm going to throw all the cards on the table but I've got to speak because I've got a word amen you know I, I know that sometimes we have a catchphrases that um, kind of catch on for seasons of time and I'm not saying that's altogether sinister but but uh, it's not uncommon to hear people say now that you know somebody had a word for me or spoke a word into my life I've used that terminology myself and and I, I, I know what I mean when I say that. Amen, I'm thankful that God has given people a word. Amen, I don't mean that that always happened in private. Somebody pulled me off to the side or didn't always happen publicly where I was singled out, but a word that came forth. I'm gonna to appeal to some people here this morning. Have you ever been in a service or been in a meeting and you just felt like God pushed everybody else aside and said, I just need to preach to you? Amen, we felt that way. We have felt that way that God just paused all of heaven and spoke a word to our lives. Amen, Abigail said, I've got a word, so I must move forward. Let's stand, can we? It's interesting, or at least to me, to note that a lady by the name of Pauline Phillips, most people know her better as Abigail Van Buren. That was her 
writer's name. When she felt the first inclination to start her column, it was reading the 25th chapter of 1 Samuel that helped her decide to name her column Dear Abby because Abigail had a word. Abigail had a word. She wanted to be one who would likewise exercise good judgment and give wisdom to people that are in difficult situations. And you know what? I believe church is about a lot of things. I think a lot of things transpire in the course of any given service. But I believe what we're all looking for is a word that'll give us some direction and help us through some difficult situations. And so it was Abigail Van Buren that said, people who fight fire with fire usually just wind up with ashes. Amen. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. I need the hand of the Lord to be upon my life. I wonder if you'd slip up your hands today and could we just praise the Lord and love him for his word. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.